Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 6th of December, and this is Govind Rajathiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital, presently searching for signs of winter. You can join us every morning at 6am in Delhi, 8.30am in Hong Kong, and 7.30pm the previous evening in New York on all major audio streaming platforms. Our top stories and themes for the day. Indian stock markets continue to hit record highs. S&P gives a booster for India. Moody's downgrades China on debt concern. Global CO2 emissions from burning fossil fuels set to hit a record high. November sees the highest pharmaceutical exports from India on surging demand from the United States and Europe. Digital powers music to a 12,000 crore rupee industry, says ENY report. This is a core report with Govindraj Ethiraj. Markets are still celebrating. The party to celebrate the Bharatiya Janata Party's wins in the three northern state elections of Rajasthan, Madhya Pradesh and Chhattisgarh continued in the stock markets as they hit record highs for a second straight day. The markets continue to bet on political and economic continuity in the general elections of 2024 or Put differently, a return of the BJP with a comfortable majority. The BSE Sensex crossed the 69,000 mark decisively in some ways and hit a record high of 69,381 during the day and closed finally at 69,296. That's up 431 points. The Nifty 50 hit a new high of 20,864 before settling 168 points higher at 20,855. The Adani Group stocks continue to rule the bosses, having recovered substantial parts of the losses incurred on the selling pressures they saw starting January after a short seller alleged that the group was buying its own stock and rigging its books. Founder Gautam Adani is now the 16th richest man globally. His rank rose three places in the Bloomberg Billionaires Index in less than a week, pumped by a 30% gain in two sessions, which has seen his wealth surged by about $4.4 billion to $70 billion, though still down by $50 billion in contrast to January. S&P Global says India will be third largest economy. India is set to become the third largest economy by 2030 and Standard & Poor's expects it to be the fastest growing major economy in the next three years. A paramount test, says S&P, will be whether India can become the next big global manufacturing hub, an immense opportunity, it said in the India segment of its report titled Global Credit Outlook 2024, New Risks, New Playbook. Developing a strong logistics framework will be key to transforming India from a services-dominated economy into a manufacturing-dominated one. Unlocking the labour market potential will largely depend upon upskilling workers and increasing female participation in the workforce. Success in these two areas will enable India to realise its demographic dividend and in the automotive sector, India is poised for growth, building on infrastructure, investment and innovation, says Standard & Poor's. Car sales could slow down. Speaking of automotive, the economy is looking strong for now, with growth having come in at 7.6%, that's GDP, for the July to September quarter. But the consensus amongst economists is that it will start slowing down in the current and next quarter. Now, one indicator or pointer of that demand contraction could be passenger vehicle sales, which grew at 7.9% so far for the year, almost actually mirroring GDP growth, so far that is. 
Shashank Srivastava, Senior Executive Officer of Marketing at Sales at Maruti Suzuki, the country's largest car maker, told BQ Prime in an interview that his expectation was that this 7.9% will become 6.1% or so by the end of the year. Now, demand for entry-level cars has already fallen, reflecting the income squeeze at the lower end, which is similar to real estate, by the way. And while SUVs or sports utility vehicles, which were powering sales of overall passenger vehicles, are now slowing down. SUV sales had risen by 26% in the current year and contributed over 50% to overall sales in the last three months, the Maruti official said. In contrast, sales of mini and micro cars tumbled to about 35,000 units in the September quarter in percentage terms, a 75% drop compared to about five years ago, BQ Prime said. So FADA, the Federation of Automotive Dealers Association of India, has complained in interviews to the core, for example, about the extremely high levels of inventory over 63 days that they have been holding in cars. Now, this is compared to about 35 to 40 days last year, same time. Two-wheelers, incidentally, are around 45 days, 40 to 45 days, that is, of inventory now and last year as well. High gold prices prompt exchanges. All-time high gold prices are prompting some Indians to exchange gold jewellery for new pieces as demand rises during the wedding season. More Indians are looking to reuse their gold and the higher prices mean imports will remain pressured in the coming months, Surendra Mehta, National Secretary at the India Bullion and Jewellers Association, told Bloomberg. Consumers have been buying to meet wedding-related needs but are largely otherwise staying away from the market, he said. Spot Gold hit a record high on Monday and has risen more than 10% since early October on speculation that the Federal Reserve will cut rates early next year. A weak rupee, by the way, means that bullion is more expensive in India because we import it and we are reliant on imports. Prices in India, if you've not been following, have been over 60,000 rupees for 10 grams. Indian households and temples collectively hold about 25,000 tons of gold. And India also imported about 220 tons in the July to September quarter, which is about 19% more than a year earlier. And remember that there are duties which are higher now on gold and there is also increased smuggling. And now our energy segment in collaboration with India Energy Week. Oil prices jumped by nearly 1% on Tuesday, lifted by uncertainty over voluntary output cuts by the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries plus group of producers, tensions in the Middle East, and some encouraging economic signals in Europe, Reuters reported. Brent crude was still below $79, while West Texas intermediate crude futures were up $0.66 at $73.19. Saudi Arabia's energy minister said that OPEC plus production cuts would continue past the first quarter of 2024, causing the prices to hold somewhat, analysts said. And when we say hold, it means that they were actually prevented from falling because in general, crude at present seems to be driven more by demand or the lack of it rather than supply, of which the OPEC countries are continually threatening to cut it. The energy segment was brought to you by India Energy Week to be held on February 6th next year. Details at www.indiaenergyweek.com. Moody's downgrades China. Rating agency Moody's has cut its outlook on China's government credit ratings to negative from stable on Tuesday. The move reflects the concern over the impact of rising local government debt and a deepening property crisis in the country, Reuters has reported. 
The downgrade reflects growing evidence that authorities will have to provide more financial support for debt-laden local governments and state firms, posing broad risk to China's fiscal, economic and institutional strength, Moody's said in a statement. China's usage of fiscal stimulus to support local governments and its spiraling property downturn is posing risks to the nation's economy, Moody said. China's government pushed back soon after the outlook change was announced, saying it was disappointed with Moody's decision and the nation's economy will be highly resilient and has large potential, Bloomberg reported. CO2 emissions set to hit a record high. Global carbon dioxide emissions from burning fossil fuels are set to hit a record high this year, worsening climate change and fueling more destructive extreme weather, scientists have said. The Global Carbon Budget Report, published on Tuesday during the COP28 climate summit underway in Dubai, said that overall CO2 emissions, which reached a record last year, have plateaued in 2023 due to a slight drop from users of land-like deforestation, Reuters reported. Countries are expected to emit a total of about 37 billion metric tons of CO2 from fossil fuels in 2023, a 1.1% increase from last year, the report by scientists from more than 90 institutions said. If you were to include land use emissions, then global CO2 emissions are set to cross about 40 billion or 41 billion tons this year. Emissions from coal, oil and gas all rose driven by India and China. The Chinese rise was caused by its economy reopening after COVID, while India's was a result of power demand growing faster than India's renewable energy capacity, leaving fossil fuels to make up the shortfall. Drug exports rise on shortages Pharmaceutical exports in the months of October and November have hit record highs, officials at India's Pharmaceutical Export Promotion Council told the Corps. Moreover, a focus on areas like child immunization, somewhat neglected during COVID, have led to a near 2,000% increase in vaccine exports from India. Drug shortages in the United States and Europe and a revival in demand in Africa could take pharma exports from India to about $28 billion this year, a growth of about 10%. Drug shortages include those used for cancer, that's a key one, and then for managing body weight and drugs that treat attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD, antibiotics and cardiac medications. I reached out to Uday Bhaskar, Director General of the Hyderabad-based Pharmaceutical Exports Council of India or Pharmexil, and I began by asking him how and why growth was picking up in exports, that is, and his outlook for the rest of the year. The reason is that particularly what we analyzed in this last seven months of this financial year, there is a growth of 9% to U.S. U.S. is our biggest market. The reason is that the shortage of the drugs, in particular few categories, and some of the companies have stopped manufacturing these drugs also to reduce the cost, particularly the economy in Europe. These are the factors that are responsible for our increase of our exports. Right. And the shortages that you referred to, are they in some particular areas or particular kinds of drugs? Anti-cancer drugs and anti-obesity drugs and the central nervous system drugs. These are all there actually. We are now at the end of 23. So what's the outlook for 24 and 24-25 looking like? 24-25, I'm expecting 28 billion. The reason is that, you know, in the last financial year, we recorded only 3.25% growth. But if you take these seven months into consideration, we have already recorded 8.1% growth rate and almost we crossed 15 billion. And we're optimistic that our meta analysts 
is also telling that November also going to be like this. In October, we recorded 29.1% growth. That is very big jump actually. It never happened. So we are expecting that the same kind of a growth will be there in November also. So that is going to add the overall growth rate. And I'm expecting that it may go to double digit in the coming four months. That will uh, make us to touch 28 billion. And you said that there is a 29% jump in from last November, that's 22 November to 23 November? Yes, compared to 22, 23 October and 24 October. I'm expecting 23, 24 November. When compared to 22-23 November, I'm also expecting the same growth. And you're saying that this has never happened before, 29-30%. 29% growth in a single month is highest as far as my knowledge is concerned. And what could be driving this? The reason is, one, I have already explained the shortages. That is one thing. Another thing is that, you know, the particularly the Europe, our export percentage is also growing in Europe. The Europe, the reason is that they stop manufacturing few of the products and they are importing. They can reduce the price also. And we are reviving that the traditional African market. African market last year, it was negative. In this financial year, it is almost positive 6%. That is our traditional market. And if you see the vaccines also, there is a growth of 2000% in vaccines are concerned. So the NGOs also started buying vaccines for free distribution in different countries. So these are all the factors that are going to help us. At the same time, Lupin, the product they exported from India, they have an ANDA. They have almost exported 26 million. I think we are expecting that is going to grow in the coming two months. I am very optimistic that, you know, we are going to touch 28 billion. It should not be less than that. That's my gut feeling. And when you said vaccines has grown up by 2000%, is this any particular type of vaccines like Zika? Generally, we export the child immunization program, those vaccines. Would you know why it's shot up like this? Because this seems to be more of a seasonal vaccine. Most of our vaccines are go through these non-governmental organizations, NWHO. And they used to distribute in the African and underdeveloped countries. Their focus was on COVID since last three years. Now they shifted their focus and they revived the actual work. That's what I feel. So in a way, this must have come back to like a pre-COVID level then or close to it. Yes. Earlier it was 14 million or something like that. This year it was 114 or 120. I can tell you the exact figure. What is it that we, the industry is looking for in terms of, let's say, easing of export procedures, any other assistance or policy help to essentially push up exports? Five minutes before our uh, interview, we had a meeting with Joint Secretary discussing on free trade agreement. These are the areas where the government is working very uh, serious. That CITRA with UAE and subsequently ICTA with Australia. So there we are everywhere, every FTAs we are asking for some sort of fast tracking of approvals for our product and the companies who are having the stringent regulatory authorities approvals. We are asking all these governments to fast track. So that is going to ease the process and the area where the government is very serious and wealthy. Uday Baskar, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Bhavandarazji. Thank you so much.
Music makes the world and in India go round. Each year some 20000 original songs are generated in India by over 40000 creators generating about 12000 crore rupees in revenues annually a new and insightful report from consulting firm Ernst and Young titled The Music Creator Economy The Rise of Music Publishing in India 2023 has said of that 12000 crore rupees digital revenues represent a significant 47% followed by broadcast at 35 music publishing which is a little distinct from let's say recording has grown to about 884 crores in 2223 and we will come to that in a moment the report also surveys some 500 music creators to understand what they are looking for when it comes to creating music i reached out to ashish ferwani partner and media and entertainment lead at ernst and young and i began by asking him about the industry's growth and the increasing role of digital in its future for creators and the industry perfect so i think you nailed it on the head Gobind, when you said twelve thousand crores, because that's the amount of revenue that we estimate music generates, whether it's on digital media or on television or radio or OTT platforms or whatever. But out of that, there are two key rights that you know are actually the income for the music labels and the authors of the music. One is sound recording, which is the actual song that gets recorded for the first time. that largely goes to labels like t series or warner or universal saregama etc and then there's a second right which is called the author's right or the publishing right which belongs to the lyricist and composer of the song now these are the true authors right for a song you need to have a melody then you need to have lyric and then it gets performed what gets performed and recorded those are the sound recording rights that the labels have but the publishing rights the core rights remain with these people now typically authors you know have a career which could last 15 years 20 years at best right and if they're very successful they may have 5 to 10 fabulous hits but most normally just have one or two hits and therefore the purpose of publishing rights is to really have a kind of earning mechanism for the authors of work so that even when their career ends they still have revenues to keep them going in a bad year and to keep them going over many years because it's not possible for them to keep coming up with hit songs on a daily monthly yearly basis this is the cover for that right and so what's changing as digitization is increasing and more people are consuming off digital it appears that to me at least that the prospect of revenue and monetization is actually increasing that's correct so if you see the uptake on music you'll see that you know 70 80% of revenues are actually consumed on digital media for most music labels and about 66% for the publishing industry because consumption in music whether it's streaming on music only platforms or on audio video platforms like like YouTube where music is the number one genre in terms of consumption in India or even on short video platforms like YouTube Shorts or Reels or Josh or TikTok or things like that where again most content has music assigned to it I mean this music is extremely pervasive in the digital world and as digital consumption keeps going up you know we've crossed 500 million smartphones in this country we are going to hit about 800 million smartphones within 3 years or 4 years if that's the kind of rate that you're seeing in terms of growth in infra and growth in smartphones growth in digital consumption i think that's automatically spurring the growth of digital publishing rate you also point out that some 40000 creators are creating some 20000 original songs every year now that seems like a large number or maybe not for a country of this size how is this all panning out and i mean the larger question here being what's the outlook like as you look ahead 
is it a good place to be in that is to make music or write music or perform music not everyone can obviously be taylor swift but how would the others do i think for a country like india to have 40000 creators is perhaps abysmally low for us with the lilacs with the folk music that we have with the talent that we have we should be at several times this number you know we did a survey of 500 creators and one very interesting finding that came out is that while 83% of respondents of the survey were creating music for more than 5 years only 60% could afford to do so full time which means that they needed an alternate source of income because they were just not making enough from just pure music creation and that brings into play the role of publishing royalties because that helps provide that additional revenue stream for the creator economy in my mind and given the government's push on make in india and the fact that music is serious soft power because there's seven countries outside india where the top performers are indian musicians and artists i think we should be having a million creators and we should be really moving towards improving the power that music gives us as a country i think we should be investing in this segment of media so when you say we should be investing to grow either the base of creators or the distribution of their content what are the one or two things that we should be doing or could be doing i think the two clear gaps we have right now is that if you want education in the field of music there's no real standardized top end modern curriculum that's available today it's very person dependent it's very fragmented you know i was talking to some of the creators and sweden for example is becoming like the songwriting hub of the world right they're focusing on just pure songwriting and korean songs are being written in sweden now but that's because the government has put an emphasis on actually growing that education and knowledge base within the country and building those skill sets you know another finding from our research was that 70 plus percent of respondents said they didn't know enough about music production now can you imagine you're talking to lyricists and composers and three quarters almost are saying that we need to know more about production because we just don't know how to learn it we can't afford to go abroad to keep learning this stuff so therefore i think the most critical thing for us to invest in this segment is to ensure there's more training there's more importance giving to learning and skill development so that more and more people take this field up and there'll be more experimentation more creativity that should give rise to a lot more in my mind right and maybe you know studio time available pro bono from other big people or big production houses always infra is a huge expense <laughs> right right ashish thank you so much for joining me my pleasure all the best take care bye and that's it for me for today have a great day ahead and see you tomorrow That was the core report with me Govindraj Athiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant including of course India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback@thecore.in at and thank you once again for listening.